but but hopefully no one talks to you because right. we don't love talking to people in the grocery store. Correct. That's why you have your headphones in, listening to And Associates, and showing what you're listening to with the tote bag. This is And Associates. We are Nazis. We are Associates. That's what we Hello and welcome to this episode of And Associates. I am one of your hosts, Preston Eberlin, along with... Your favorite host, Carson. (laughs) And we are coming to you on MLK Day, also known as Martin Luther King Jr. Day here in the United States. Uh, Or at least this is when the episode will be posted. Um, We are recording the day before. However, um... Yeah, anyway, Carson, let's just go into corrections because, you know, this is the season of corrections. <laughs> um, I absolutely love that intro that you just did. Do you know that I... <laughs> you don't know this, but I had a nightmare last night that I did the intro and you were yelling at me. Oh, no. <laughs> You're like, You're doing it wrong. Oh, like, no. quit. <laughs> you kept yelling at me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, so apparently I need to correct that in my dream, but, (laughs) um, for my corrections this week, I guess I just want to talk a little bit about, um, the words that we use. Um, so I think that there's like a delicate balance because words have a lot of power. And when someone tells you, Hey, don't use this word because it's a slur or it's harmful or whatever. Um, Believe that person. Mm -hmm. But also, like, don't be afraid to say certain words about certain topics. Um, Like, you're going to say the wrong thing Mm -hmm. Um, when we're trying to navigate these um, historic moments all throughout all of 2020 and we're trying you know some people aren't saying anything I would love to hear your perspective I want to have I want to cultivate conversation I want to have um you know differences of opinion Mm -hmm. um and I want to see those with other people but I think people are biting their tongues not saying things because they're afraid that they're not going to say the right thing and they're afraid they're going to be canceled Mm -hmm. um so it it it's all this whole big thing but anyway that's a huge topic oh yeah that's that's like a whole weekly wrangle topic we're getting into i know but i just wanted to bring it up because we talked about we've talked about many things but um Mm -hmm. especially in the last week or so we've there's been the whole debate on you know using the term terrorism uh, for what's happened at the capitol so i just wanted to bring up my thoughts on it no i i think that's great carson and um, of course, when, when you have thoughts, I, of course, have to have thoughts. And I immediately thought of uh, the words like penis and vagina and like using those. <laughs> Should I have had a trigger warning for using those words? Um, but I immediately thought of uh, like when we use that language around kids and like teaching kids not to use those words, even those those are the, like the biological terms. And those are 100 um, percent per every health professional and uh, social worker and counselor I've ever read from that we should be using those words with kids. That way, if, like, God forbid they're being inappropriately touched or something, they can can articulate that rather than using words like 
whatever we we we've used in the past with those um, areas. Um, and it's just, it's important to, you know, use those words. So I, I went a different direction than I think you were going with it. However, <laughs> I think it's still applicable. Um, no, with, yeah. With using, that, you know. It speaks on the power of words and yep. the power of language, I think. And I absolutely agree. And it, it gives us a big red flag for grooming culture. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when kids aren't able to maybe clearly articulate something that happens. So, yep. yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, Do you have any... it's it's just like the base level, right? Like, because kids are literally learning words. And when we know our words and we don't want to use them because we don't want to offend or whatever. Um, however, mm. um, you know, those are some words that we should be using. Although, again, take your first point <laughs> correctly that when <laughs> certain words are being used and people tell you um, that it's offensive or whatever, like, take that to heart. Um, and then be sure to do research. Don't just like leave it at that and never use the word again. Like figure out why it's not okay to use. Granted, again, we don't always have to ask the person who told you not to use it because they should not always be educating. Uh, but you know, educate yourself. Goes back to our very first episode. (laughs) There's a thing called Google. (laughs) They steal all your data, but they also teach you things. (laughs) Um... Uh, Carson, my correction is not, I mean, I guess it's a correction. So it's a correction from last week where I went on an expletive, uh, strewn rant about how I fucked up the audio. Um, (laughs) but good news is we found the audio (laughs) (laughs) slash, um, we reached out to customer service and for the app we use to record some of our um, interviews and whatnot. And they had the audio the whole time. And so we were able to get it back. So that means that coming this Thursday, the day after Inauguration Day, you all will be getting for your little conversation the full interview that I did um, with Dr. 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 <laughs> with Dr. <laughs> Robert Postick, um, which certainly is not a little little interview, uh, Carson. I think you would agree, considering it's a it's over an hour long. Um, but I think it's a conversation that uh, our 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 listeners. I almost said viewers. My gosh, uh, our <laughs> listeners will enjoy. <laughs> viewers like you. <laughs> viewers like you make PBS possible. <laughs> We're PBS. <laughs> we, we start sending out tote bags. Uh, <laughs> if if we ever came up with merch, that would be our first merch item is a tote bag. <laughs> oh, no. Well, th- okay. That way you can bring it to the grocery store and not use plastic bags. Um, and show all your cool friends <laughs> what you're listening to <laughs> while you're shopping for groceries. But... But hopefully no one talks to you because we don't love talking to people in the grocery store. Correct. That's why you have your headphones in, listening to and associates and showing what you're (laughs) listening to with the tote bag. Wow. This correction went off the rails. (laughs) This intro is a little longer than normal. Typical us fashion. I'm going to get yelled at by you. That's what's going to happen. My dream is going to come true. I'm prophetic. It's not your fault, though. It was mine. Um, I'll just yell at myself. It's a normal occurrence. Um, Carson, would you like to play us into the Weekly Wrangle, please? The Weekly Wrangle. Oh, that was great. Um, 
<laughs> no, thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Carson. So um, this week on our weekly wrangle, we are going to be taking the day that this posts um, to reflect on um, the person that the day is named after. So MLK, uh, Martin Luther King. Junior, um, we're, I don't know why I keep using the abbreviation because it's in our notes as MLK. And so I'm just, anyway, um, so we are going to be talking about his letter from a Birmingham jail, um, which, um, has, has, has become, uh, I think a, 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 a beacon for the civil rights movement in terms of uh, a turning point of of explanations for why the movement is necessary and all those sorts of things. So um, first, I'm going to give some background material, Carson, if that works, and then we'll just get into discussing the themes. Um, and I'll just note that in in the um, the notes for this episode, there will be a link to uh, the King Institute for Stanford, which will have the uh, the full uh, letter, as well as an audio clip of um, Dr. King reading the letter, which would highly recommend, uh, I mean, a great orator and a great um, uh, way to listen uh, to a letter, especially if you don't read, like myself. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyways, uh, in terms of the letter itself, so it's a 22-page document that was written on April 16th, 1963. Now, this was written, uh, or it was written by Dr. King while he sat in the Birmingham jail. Uh, he was arrested in um, uh, on August 12th uh, for demonstrations happening in Birmingham. And the letter is a response to a letter from white religious leaders that was posted uh, in the local newspapers as so the white religious leaders were calling for unity and basically saying hey what you're doing uh in birmingham is not the way to make change happen basically um you gotta do it with laws and whatnot and so we're calling for unity and just a quick note man those guys look dumb <laughs> right um so uh, uh, just a note about the the religious leaders. So there were eight of them that signed or co-signed to their call for unity. Their letter was two pages long. <laughs> I just felt I just felt that was necessary to note that their letter was two pages long, uh, and then Dr. King's letter was twenty two pages long, refuting point by point everything um, that they stated. So. Carson, um, I think we can just go into the themes of the letter and what uh, Dr. King was addressing uh, from uh, from those religious leaders. And then, I mean, writ large, because really I, the letter is addressed towards them. However, it's it's truly a, a call for um, not just those eight leaders, but what those eight um, white religious leaders at the time uh, uh, repre represented. I guess is the word I'm looking for, or, or you know what I mean. Well, I think he was. I think he was so charismatic and so intelligent and so, um, you know, good at speaking and writing that he was able to respond directly to that call for unity, but also tie in his purpose and his themes and his life's work and. <coughs> 
also just say, you know, so that it so that it could be applicable in different situations. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, still applicable today. Um, and I'll start by saying, I had never read this. Mm. Um, I am an adult and have never read this. I don't think it's ever been... Of course, we talk about Martin Luther King Jr. in school. Mm -hmm. And um, I think primarily because we had, you know, the day off, the Monday off, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I feel like I remember some activities here and there where we would have, like, I have a dream coloring thing or, you know... Just small things here and there, but even in in high school, um, I don't recall ever doing anything of substance around this letter specifically, or even just Martin Luther King Jr. in general. Mm. Um, So I wanted to bring that up, just because I wanted to call in our audience, so that if people are coming from a place of like, well, I've never even heard of this letter, you know, I'm in a similar boat. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of where I wanted to start. Had you read this before? Um, yeah. So I, I, I'll I'll just note like throughout, I mean, K through 12, um, MLK was definitely, um, like a cornerstone, uh, in my education just because I think, you know, growing up in a, 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 a city school, um, like a, public education in in a, a an urban uh city um we were all integrated and you know my high school didn't have um a majority of any race and uh all those things but we that being said i can't remember a letter from a birmingham jail ever being um I mean, I think it was mentioned in the text, but we definitely never read it. I mean, it was always the I have a dream. That's what we're going to. That's what we're going to we're going to strive to. And, and, you know, uh, Rosa Parks was always brought up. And um, the the, basically like the big moments in in the civil rights movement movement, we uh, would regularly talk about in our social studies and history classes. Um, However, um, and I and again, I think this letter was was brought up, but. Um, then once I got to undergrad, it was actually in one of, uh, Robert's or Dr. Postick's classes where he had us read this letter, uh, my American politics oh. class. So, um, yeah, he actually, he, <laughs> funny enough, uh, he had us read the letter to, um, when, when we got to, you know, that part in American politics and, um, talking about the, the, the response. And so when, when we had talked about doing this, um, this topic, I went back because, of course, I have all my notes from uh, <laughs> from undergrad and grad school. So I went back to see like what I had written about <laughs> it, and um, yeah, it was just it was. I, I mean, it, it it definitely wasn't. I think as in depth as we're going to talk about here. Uh, however, um, it was just a good baseline knowledge of 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 knowing about it and knowing. Uh, the point yeah. about it and and that sort of thing, but um, I I think our two experiences really show, um, you know, the difference in I mean, just looking at the K through twelve level, the difference in uh, where where you go to school and the education uh, system because education is so localized, um, 
the focus of, of education and the focus of, of what key topics that they hit on. Um, I am interested to know, Carson, I know this is kind of going off the beaten path, but I don't, I think it's relevant, but like, did you, did, did they go over the, I have a dream speech in, in like at least high school? Um, and now you're asking me to, to call on my long-term memory, <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, I don't know. And while you were talking, I was like, you know, part of me feels like there could have been some teachers who addressed it at some points, mm-hmm. and it just, you know, went over my head. Yeah. But then that also speaks to, like, you know, repetition, and like, you know, this is stuff that we should shove at kids. Right. Um, so that they do remember mm-hmm. it, whether or not they pick it up from one year or not. No, let's give it to them for 13 years. Right. Um, but, um, actually, so I got a lot of this stuff at home. So, um, I'll show you, I have the, I have a dream, um, speech in a book, a very beautiful, uh, beautifully illustrated book that was, um, signed by the illustrator and, um, has a foreword by Coretta Scott King. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just is a, it just shows that like my, despite what I was surrounded by, like in school, like my family still valued Mm -hmm. these things and, um, wanted to immerse me in, um, things that I wasn't necessarily getting in school that they couldn't provide in a, a rural area. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's awesome because that I was, I was actually going to get into this next point when we got to walking and talking. However, I think it's applicable now. And so I was going to bring up the movie, Our Friend Martin, which have you ever seen this, Carson? No. So I have seen it uh, at least five times in my life because my mother, who's an elementary school librarian, every year for um, uh, the week preceding MLK, actually the two weeks preceding because uh, library always took like 30 minutes. So this movie is 60 minutes long. So she would show this in two sittings. Um, the the Our Friend Martin movie, which is, um, it's on YouTube. I would highly recommend going to watch it. Um, okay. But it is, it, it's, a pre- well, present day. The movie came out in like 97. Uh, but but uh, the kid goes this group group of kids go back in time and like go through basically the civil rights movement um following martin luther king jr's life um and at the end um i don't think i have to say spoiler alert but dr king is assassinated (laughs) um Oh my god! You ruined it. You soiled it for me. Um, but in the uh, in the movie, um, they I mean, definitely spoiler alert for the movie. Um, the kids are like, well, we don't want him to be assassinated, so they get him when he was a kid, and like go back in time, get him when he was a kid, bring him back to present day, and when they're back to present day, segregation is still happening and all those things. Uh, because he wasn't a part of the movement and, and all those things. And I think that um, points, oh, yeah. So, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, and so they're like, oh, okay, we understand. <laughs> so it gets into the time travel thing, which I don't want to get in. However, I just want to <laughs> recommend uh, the movie just because at a very basic level for, um, you know, elementary school kids, I think my, my mother, 
shows this for a reason and she still shows it i mean she was literally just talking about it when i um saw her last week about showing it to her kids over zoom um <laughs> but uh it, it gets to the point of 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 showing kids the civil rights movement because it actually and, and the cool thing the cool thing the cool thing about the movie not about everything that happened with the civil rights movement but the cool thing about the movie is it uses actual so it's a cartoon however it intersplices actual footage from the civil rights movement of them um uh, protesters being doused with hoses having dogs set upon him all those things um to really show what what it was about it's like not all just cartoon um so uh would highly recommend um that movie uh, for for any yeah. like it, I mean you can watch it as an adult if you want but also if you have children um, uh, would highly recommend it as well uh, because it is on it is on YouTube and you can just search our friend Martin and um, you will find the uh, sixty minute movie there um, on the YouTube. I one hundred percent am going to watch that <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> you better believe it's, it, I'm ready. You can also borrow the VHS tape from uh, uh, from my mother if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have anything to play that in. <laughs> I, I actually, I wonder if at this point, and I hope she does, have it in DVD form, <laughs> or if she just plays the YouTube <laughs> video. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, we should okay. reel back to, no. <laughs> sorry, I went. No, 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 I love that you shared that, like, I think it was definitely relevant, um, but yeah, going back into, if we jump back into the letter, mm -hmm. um, I think if we talk about some of the things that he was, um, trying to address, or do you want to talk about, like, how he, um, was refuting the points yeah. um, of the of the original letter. Yeah, let's go into it. Okay. Um, so one of the things that I picked up on was the, the danger of the white moderate. Mm -hmm. um, and he talks about that. Um, and kind of what he's saying, I think, is that there are white people who look like on the surface that they're like, yes, I agree with what you're saying. I support you. Let's make change. Let's fight for, you know, social justice. Mm -hmm. Let's reform. Let's stop police brutality kind of things. Um, but then they have, but then that's the thing. There's a but, mm -hmm. but you know, but I don't want to get in trouble, but I don't like the way you're saying it, but, yep. you know, whatever the but is, that's the thing. It, the whole premise, I think, is that there exists this but. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I and it's funny that I mean, it's not funny, but it, the fact that that's your first point and this is my first point, which I think, I mean, when we're going chronologically with the letter, of course, it's going to be our first point. However, because <laughs> I wrote courts versus streets, right? Because the white moderate always once has, or, or the white person, um, yeah, specifically the white moderate, let's just get into it. They, they were arguing that um, there is a right way to do change and the way that um, Dr. King and the civil rights movement w was doing it was wrong. So, 
um, you're supposed to do it in the courts and by changing laws rather than um, doing it on our streets uh, where it's not safe and all these things. And I mean, it really just, the moment I read that part of the letter, I was immediately brought back to um, uh, our, our current, our, I mean, our current time in terms of how, right. how, how basically white people see protests versus, um, you know, taking a knee, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee was seen as this giant um, anti-American way of protesting. And how many times did you hear um, that there's a better way to protest? I just don't think that that's mm -hmm. the way you should be protesting. Taking a knee, the most like nonviolent form of protest is seen as this giant wave uh, or way of, of, um, of, uh, of attacking America um, and oh yeah I mean it's this whole like I don't even white white supremacy white exceptionalism exceptional gosh, <laughs> that's a hard exceptionalism. word <laughs> <laughs> because it's like it's not okay when Colin Kaepernick did it that was a um, hate crime to the American flag and um it was the most um, terrible thing that you could do or say about our country because um, we love our country. And then people are pooping mm -hmm. in our nation's capital. Yeah. And but but that wasn't like the most terrible, horrible, awful thing that you could do to our country. Oh, I don't know. Right. Um, and and that's not even. Yeah, I think that that's going even farther. That's going um, even more to like extremism than mm -hmm. just um, the white moderate. But it it did it took me to Black Lives Matter, right. where it was like, well, I would be okay with what they were arguing for or um, you know protesting for, but but you know they're it's it's violent, mm -hmm. um, so I'm not okay with that. Yeah. Um, and and that's that was the narrative that we were getting mm -hmm. from the white moderate for for so long. I mean, throw me in there as as a white moderate. It took me. Uh, oh, absolutely. It, it took me. Um, I mean, when Colin Kaepernick was protesting, I was like, I, I didn't have an issue with the way he was protesting. Like that part of it was fine with me. I had no issues. However, I didn't take that next step in realizing what. Um, he was calling for until years later. Um, and we, again, we talk about this in our first episode um, about that realization and um, uh, us coming to grips. And uh, I think a lot of the time um, what we, what we read uh, with, with Dr. King's letter is that, if we don't have the forces pushing us to um, to make 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 change and not just wait for change to happen, then the change will never happen, right? Yeah, that I think that it speaks to the 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 concept that the people in power are never willingly going to give up their power, like they're 
they're not, it's not just going to be someone that says like, oh yeah, like here, let me give you oppressed person some of my power because they're benefiting off of the oppression, whether they know it or not. Mm-hmm. And, and I say they, and I sound aggressive when I talk about this stuff because I'm very passionate about it, but they applies to me. Like I benefit off of oppression of other people Mm -hmm. and i'm still finding out in what ways that happens like i'm still exploring that i'm still learning i'm still trying to figure that out and it's this massive issue because it's like how do you even um tackle it how do you how do you approach all of this because once you start seeing it one place Mm -hmm. you start seeing it everywhere right um, so, but, but I, I guess I just wanted to clarify by no means am I taking myself like mm-hmm. out of this. No, like, same. <laughs> I am, I'm absolutely part of this. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and I think if, if we could, I want to get in to what King goes to explain as the four steps of nonviolent protest and, um, where he took umbrage in what, the, the, the white religious leaders were calling for in their paper, uh, which was one of those one of those steps. However, King refutes the fact that, you know, we've tried these steps. Like, this is why we're at right. the final step. So the four steps that, that King goes on to uh, explain are fact-finding, one, negotiation, two, self-purification, three, and then direct action. And the call that white religious leaders, white moderates, are often calling for is negotiation however negotiation has attempted or had had been at that time um just taking a step back to when the letter was written had been attempted multiple times and they've tried Mm -hmm. or they tried and tried again and so that led to the direct action of the nonviolent protest it wasn't it didn't it didn't come out of nowhere it came out of I mean, the years of oppression. And that, again, mm-hmm. Carson, you got into the fact that, you know, they chose Birmingham because it was uh, one of the most segregated uh, cities in the South. And it was one a hotbed of, of, um, of racial uh, un- unrest and injustice and, mm-hmm. and all these items. Like, th- there was a reason that they focused in on Birmingham. And I say they as right. the civil rights movement writ large. Um, but... Uh, there's a there was a reason for um, Dr. King and uh, the civil rights movement going towards that direct action because um, when when they attempted negotiation they they weren't they weren't seen they weren't heard which goes back to all the first points we were talking about when um, when you when you try to have a conversation but if one side is not willing to meet you or one side is not willing to then you have to take those next steps right. Right. And I think that that comes into one of my one of my takeaways where he talked about time and and waiting, Um, because when you're when you're in negotiations um, and you're talking. Um, Okay, sorry, Carson. Um, My audio just (laughs) per usual. My audio messed up. <laughs> and so um, we just spent the last five minutes trying to fix that. Uh what we were talking about was <laughs> we oh we were talking about time 
Um, so, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, this is all so great. Okay, we do this for you, the people. You're welcome. All right. So, so in the letter, he talks about how time is used against people calling for change, mm-hmm. and my takeaway was that in in the negotiation stage especially when you're trying to talk to people and have conversations and say like this is oppressive or this is harming us in this way um a lot of what people in power specifically will do is say like um okay but like can we like this is going to be a long process can we address this like in in august or something Mm -hmm. like let's let's have another meeting in August or, uh, and then you have a meeting in August and they're like, okay, but um, we're still working on this. So let's have another meeting in, in January. Um, and that is um, horrific, especially when you're talking about people dying and um, you know, the urgency for the need for change. Um, and so I think that's what he's saying. Like it's, uh, in a much more elegant way and a much kinder way. He, but I think it was basically like an abuse of power. Um, and he said it could be used positively by the people who are calling for change, but mostly it's used against them, um, by the people in power. And I I think we've seen it again play out, uh, specifically in this past year. Yep. And, I mean, the quote that I think embodies that is, and I'm going to quote him, uh, I'm going to quote Dr. King, not just some random person, but Dr. (laughs) King says, (laughs) We know through painful experience that freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Um, Which, I mean, just taking a step back, I don't think this was in the the snippet that we had for you last... um, in our, our, our last episode. However, this can be a teaser for you to listen on Thursday, but um, Dr. Postick Robert talks about uh, how those in power often uh, use um, or uh, are, are always, you know, running for their next election rather than once they get elected, then working on being governed, right? right? And um, so it's that, it's that, that power, that, that little bit of power that they have, they don't want to give it up. And by, by giving it up, um, they aren't, um, they then quote unquote lose power because they see it as, a, a there's a finite amount of power. Right. Um, and I say, right, just like as a colloquial, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm right, but, um, they're, they're, um, the, the idea that there is a finite amount of power and the quote, quote unquote people in power um, do not want to give it up because by giving it up, then they are, um, well, losing it rather than sharing power that was never or should have never been theirs to have in the first place because they had it was it was power that was already stolen um, because you're you 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 have the power because of uh oppressing other individuals and other humans yeah um and i'm so glad that you brought dr Postic into this because i think that 
Um, that's absolutely right with the whole idea of politicians on any side, mm-hmm. on yep. wherever they fall on the spectrum. It's it's become about the race, and it's become about winning and losing. And then once they do win, it's become about winning again. Yep. Um, and staying in power. Mm-hmm. It's this whole it's this whole idea. And I think the most depressing thing about the letter from a Birmingham jail is that it is so applicable still today. Mm-hmm. It just is I think I hope everyone takes time to listen to it mm-hmm. or read it themselves because I think there are a lot of valuable lessons to learn. It's really eye-opening to see from Dr. King's perspective what was happening and why it wasn't okay and how it needs to be fixed. And it was done in such a... I want to be careful about what I say because of... um, respectability politics and Mm -hmm. and words and rhetoric matter and tone policing and all of these things Mm -hmm. but at the same time like i hold him in such high regard because he was able to clearly get his points across without being overly um belligerent to the other side Mm -hmm. um and, and even if he was, or even if he did call for that, I think that there were times that it was absolutely justifiable um, because of the injustices, the overt racism right. that happened. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's really powerful. Yeah, and um, Carson, if, if I can close this section uh, by really... I, I just I would like to um, to read just like the not like read the final paragraph of his letter because when I when I read this part I was just like oh wow this <laughs> it, 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 it just it hit me in a place of oh he although it, it's it, it's not like he's literally just fighting for rights right he's not fighting people. Um, he and the civil mm-hmm. rights movement, like, it, it, and that's what uh, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement is about. Like, it's it's literally fighting for people and for rights and for. It's not fighting, um, uh, like, well, I, I don't want to say like against people, um, but it's fighting against systems and policies and things that need changed. Again, it's not fighting against people or individuals. Um, if that, if that makes sense, I think, I, th- I think. Does... Yeah. Um, and I, I think that the final paragraph is really powerful. So I want to, uh, leave it at that. So I'm just going to say my final thoughts oh, yeah, and then ahead. let you yep. end with that. Um, and I'll say that I think the really powerful, um, theme is that, um, love is is greater than hate and that we have to love everyone the same and part of loving everyone the same is making sure that we all have equal access to opportunities and equal 
um, rights and things like that. Um, and then I also want to say just a quick, like we are, we obviously never met or are friends with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So I apologize in advance because I'm sure I did not use his full title every single time, mm-hmm. including doctor, which he absolutely deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I'm sure I'll correct that also next week, but I just wanted to go ahead and say it. So with that, Preston. So actually, rather than me reading it, I'm just going to play the audio of him reading his final paragraph uh, because I think he he reads it much better than I would read it. Um, and so here is Dr. King uh, reading his final paragraph of his letter from Birmingham Jail. If I have said anything in this letter that overstates the truth and indicates an unreasonable impatience, I beg you to forgive me. If I have said anything that understates the truth and indicates my having a patience that allows me to settle for anything less than brotherhood, I beg God to forgive me. I hope this letter finds you strong in the faith. I also hope that circumstances will soon make it possible for me to meet each of you, not as an integrationist or as a civil rights leader, but as a fellow clergyman and a Christian brother. Let us all hope that the dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away and the deep fog of misunderstanding will be lifted from our fear-drenched communities and in some not-too-distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their scintillating beauty. Yours for the cause of peace and brotherhood, Martin Luther King, Jr. And now, Carson, we're going to go ahead and go into walking and talking. So what have you been reading, watching, listening to? Um, Okay, so you brought it up earlier in our weekly wrangle section, and I decided that I could be patient and wait until our walking and talking (laughs) section. But um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, So for every Martin Luther King Jr. Day that we had off in school, it was a um, pretty strong tradition for me, my sister, and my mom. Um, And then sometimes it just depended on who was there and available, but you know, sometimes other siblings joined. Um, But my mom was a teacher, so she was able to do this and able to take us. But we would typically go to the mall and typically go to the movie theater at the mall. And there's almost always a, um, I guess, a a sort of civil rights based or, um, I don't know, even a movie about Martin Luther King Jr. on that day that's playing in the theater. And so we would always go and see that movie, whatever that movie Mm -hmm. was. Um, I know like at one point it was Selma. Mm -hmm. That's like one of the more recent ones. Um, but that was just a special thing that we always did. And I really appreciate that we always did that. So, um, anyway, right now I told you last week I'm reading, I started me and white supremacy. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided that I'm going to do a book club for that because that's the way that it kind of works out anyway. Like it's, it's very much set up to do that. Mm -hmm. I would have to do very little to set it up because it already has like, reflective questions and prompts that you're to like journal through anyway. Gotcha. Um, 
So anyway, I decided that I'm going to start a book club for that. And if anyone wants to join, they can <laughs> tweet us or DM us and just come on and talk to me. Um, I would love to have you. I already have a few people who um, said they're interested in joining. So nice. um, yeah, just let us know. <laughs> um, and then I wanted to share too that, um, of course, I listened to Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown's podcast, mm -hmm. um, Unlocking Us. And it was a, what she calls an on my mind episode. And so she was talking about what happened at the Capitol. Mm. Um, and of course it was beautiful and brilliant. <laughs> as all of her, all of her statements are, all of her work is. Um, but she said basically that shaming isn't going to solve anything it shame never solves anything mm. um so that's not what we need to be doing we not we we should not be you know pointing fingers and saying like you know you're bad like don't you feel ashamed for what you did which is hard it's hard yeah. for me as someone who wasn't there and i think it's hard i mean it it's a difficult thing to do because that's a natural like you know, that's something I think that would emotionally make us feel better. Like, it's at least by, like, placing guilt or shame on someone. Mm -hmm. um, but it, she said it doesn't solve anything. Um, and part of the issue is that it sort of leads us to this dehumanization. Mm. And by dehumanizing anyone, that's what leads us as humans to violence mm -hmm. there have been massive studies on like genocide and all of these different things that have happened that are you know that we just look back on our past or whatever that are horrific and we're like how did we get there how did we do that slavery how did we do that dehumanization mm -hmm. um so let's not shame and let's not dehumanize our literal neighbors mm -hmm who were at the Capitol, like, yeah. and let's, let's, let's do the work on ourselves and start figuring out how we solve this problem. Mm. Thank you, Carson. Um, it's a powerful statement. Uh, uh, it, it's not, <laughs> it, comes, it comes, I mean, those are my words, but that comes from Dr. Brene Brown. Like. I'm like, Carson, you should, you know what you should do? You should start a podcast on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was great. Um, God, my my reading, watching, listening to is not nearly as good as yours. Um, so I'll start with mine that uh, is is kind of related. Uh, it's not at all related, actually. Um, but this this week uh, for work, I spent two days in a virtual conference, which was with. Um, it was on survey methods and uh, survey methodology, and it was uh, it had many different panelists from uh, the survey research background. Um, there were over like seven hundred and fifty attendees, and um, oh my god! Yeah, so it was it was really like a a, a, um, a, a get together. Which I mean, that's one nice quote unquote nice thing about. Um, the things that have become virtual conferences is you can um, come and uh, th they can have that many people, right? Um, 
However, when when there's that many things, obviously there's going to be some items that are discussed that I'm like, this isn't relevant to me. However, um, there were many things that were relevant to me, and uh, it was just a nice way to partake in in um, survey methodology and best practices and all these different things um, that um, I got to hear. So I have really no like takeaways to share with our audience other than it was just a nice little thing that I did. <laughs> Uh, I love it. Yeah, thank you to Duke. I think it was Duke University who sponsored it. Um, I want to. Oh, do they want to sponsor us? <laughs> they should. Duke University and Associates, sponsored by Duke University. <laughs> um, Go Blue Devils! Yeah. Oh no, the devil. Uh, I want to talk about uh, just real quick a TV show that I had watched back. Um, in college, at least like the first couple of seasons, and I started to rewatch it. It's called Misfits, and it's on Hulu, and it's a British teen show where like they get powers, but like they're not. It's it's a it's a it's a funny, stupid show that just I enjoy. Um, Carson, did do do you or did you watch Umbrella Academy? I think I watched like. The first episode, and then okay. no more. Okay, well, because Robert Sheehan, um, the guy, um, uh, who does he play in Umbrella Academy? It's the white, tall, skinny dude um, with long hair. <laughs> he's in this. He just described every guy ever. <laughs> right. um, but he's in this, and uh, it was like one of his first uh, uh, TV gigs, I think. But anyway, he's hilarious in it and hilarious in Umbrella Academy. Anyway, Misfits on Hulu would recommend. Uh, it's funny. It's stupid. It's great. Uh, also, I listened to a podcast um, that was recommended to me by a colleague. Um, she was like, you have to listen to this. And I was like, uh, okay. it's called In Strange Woods. It is five episodes long. And that's all it is. It's five episodes long. And it is Carson. It is a musical podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> so it's like it's 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 so it's it's fictional, but these Broadway stars basically wrote a musical that's in podcast form. So like they're telling the story, but then they'll randomly break out in a song, like a musical. And it's Is that us? Is that what we're trying to do? <laughs> yes. And here's our musical number. Um Well, it, so when I heard of it, I was like what? There's no way this can work. Folks, it works. Highly recommend. Um, <laughs> again, it's only five episodes long, but there were moments where I was cracking up. There were moments where I was feeling emotions. There were moments where I was tearing up. It is um, a very well-produced, uh, they-don't-have-the-audio-issues-that-we-have kind of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I'm not doing the sound on that podcast. Therefore, you should listen to it. Um, and then the final thing I want to talk about is, Carson, um, TikTok. Because I I sent you a long message on TikTok. Ooh, we love her. Which I don't know if you read or not. Um, but I wanted to explain myself because I realized after I sent that, I was like, without any explanation, my complaint, I don't think, makes sense. And... So TikTok... No, I haven't read your message on TikTok. Now I'm like, what is uh, it? Should I open my phone? No, it's, it's, it's clearly not that important. Um, but, it, well, I guess it's important enough where I'm like, let me use our podcast to talk about <laughs> it. Um, but TikTok has gotten us through the past couple of months. Like, we watch stupid videos and stuff. 
Um, what I want to talk about are the TikTok people who um, use other people's sound but don't offer anything new. So, and they don't credit the original person who created the sound. So it's those people who um, like use a sound and act out the exact same thing that another person has done with the sound. So basically the people that are scrolling through their For You page think it's this person using the sound because like they're lip syncing it so well or like they're doing the thing so well that then they like get a like but the person doesn't do the time to like look at if it's their original sound or not. And so the reason that I'm so emotional or frustrated about this, is um, the idea of uh, original creative works and creative intent and, like, the fact that creative people will often come up with things. Because TikTok, at this point, like, I, I, I look at it to pastime because there are funny skits and stuff. Well, there are a lot of um, people w that will use sounds and stuff from other people and act like it's their own sound. They won't offer anything new. And um, it frustrates me as, I mean, not as someone who has done anything creative on TikTok, but on behalf of the people who did create the thing. Because it's kind of like, it's kind of like the, um, the uh, I, I, I liken it to uh, like the Jerry Media of TikTok. So Carson, do you know what Jerry Media is? It was, it, it was um, the big media company, one, behind uh, Fire Festival, but they got famous, <laughs> they got famous because they would take old tweets, delete the person, ch crop out the tweet um, enough so you can't see who originally tweeted it, and then post it on their Instagram like it was their tweet, but it's not, so then the original person who tweeted it then doesn't get credit for it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So basically, all these—it's plagiarism. Oh, are you talking about the F Jerry? Yeah. F fuck Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh oh, here comes the sneeze. Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. I warned you all. I gave you a trigger warning, um, which I guess I, I could take that out. But anyway, this is all just my. my <laughs> I guess I could take that. Out. I'm not going to. Uh, Why do we leave our sneezes in? I feel like it's important for the people to know that we're human. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought about that. <laughs> but um, anyway, I would argue that these uh, kinds of media and these kinds of uh, people taking credit for other things is um, our generation's form of plagiarism, uh, and I want it to stop. So this is me making my stand. <laughs> well, I think you should write uh, the founders or whoever currently owns TikTok then, because I think the platform is not set up for anti-plagiarism. Like, oh, it no. specifically is set up to do almost exactly what makes you so enraged like it really isn't that um uh they have not set the tone yeah nor the like parameters to really um encourage original creative works mm -hmm. because of the way that you can um favorite sounds and then use them as your own clips and yeah. um uh, they uh, they've gotten better by saying like what's the original sound by pinning that mm -hmm. when At you the go bottom. to yeah. right 
Well, well, at the bottom, if you click the sound, then you go to a page where you can see all the videos that have used that sound. Yep. And you can see the original content for that yes. sound yeah. for that video. Now, sometimes it still is not the original original. Yeah. Um, so that becomes problematic. But um, I think it is set up to do exactly what makes you mad. Right. And I want to be clear that like, Using other people's sounds is fine with me as long as you're offering something new. Like, if you're if you're doing it's like you're using a kid sound and like you're acting it out or like there's there's a really cool there are a couple of cool TikToks of like people sketching out what's being said in an original sound or like those mm -hmm. sorts of things where like you're offering something new like you're offering your own creative take on it. That's great. But when you do the exact same thing as the person with the original sound, then I'm just like, what the, like, what the literal fuck? <laughs> so that's yeah. what frustrates me. Yeah. And I think it depends, too, on, like, the, the creator. Um, so yeah. um, I think that that sort of thing happens a lot more to... Um, black people and people mm -hmm. of color um and uh, and women um and indigenous people um so i'm like <laughs> just, basically just not white men. <laughs> I'm everyone i'm but like the let's white steal man. white men sounds yep. um uh, carson can we go to oh no i think i've i've, I've gone off of plagiarism oh no <laughs> what's your oh no um Okay, so mine for the week, and I, I guess I just, um, this is more of a um, call out than a, and like holding accountable than like um, a, sh a public shaming, although um, it just is kind of interesting, but evidently um, Lana Del Rey posted on, I think, Instagram, mm -hmm. um, this like really long sort of essay response thing to I don't know if she's just been getting like a lot of comments or what exactly but essentially the post was like hey um I have black friends so I'm probably not racist oh. um and then at the bottom it was like and by the way my music is literally saving the world <sighs> um <laughs> So I just thought that was like an um, an interesting thing in pop culture yeah. <laughs> that was going on right now to um, bring some attention to, I guess. Mm -hmm. Not not that it needs like the most attention, but I guess it just is... Definitely an um, oh no moment. Yes. <laughs> um, thank you, Carson. Honestly, I could not tell you who Lana Del Rey is. I'm sure I would know. She's a musician, I assume. And I would assume that if, like, I heard one of her songs, um, I would know who she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who she is, okay. yeah. Um, like, I could not pick her out of a lineup, though. I would, I'm assuming she, um, with that name, she's a white woman. Yeah, honestly, I don't know if I could pick her out of the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, well, I'm going to go to my yes bitch because it leads into my oh no. So my yes bitch is that starting last Sunday, I took a bath 
every night for five nights with like a candlelight bath and like an hour and some change long bath where it was just like relaxing and I was just like chilling. And so that's my yes, bitch. Yes. But on the final night, the reason I haven't been continued my bath tradition is that I would put out candles, right? Well, the last night I spilled some wax from my candle on my bath rug and I was like well I'm done with this now because it took me (laughs) so long to clean up the wax and then I was just stressed out for like the entire night luckily like the rug washed out when I washed it in the um uh washer and stuff but I was just like well okay I'm done with this tradition for now That's not where I thought you were going with this story. You're like, I spilled some wax. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) But it was just a rag. It's fine. And I think that just tells you that doing too much of a good thing can lead to a bad thing, right? Like, you don't want to over, over over um indulge. Everything in moderation. Yes, yeah. Like, if I had taken a bath maybe, like, once a week, um, then the fifth time that I took a bath wouldn't have been until, you know, four weeks until now. Um, but now that I've had, now I won't take another bath for like a year. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's my yes bitch and my oh no. Carson, what's yours? Just to clarify, you're going to shower, right? <laughs> what? No. You said why you're not going to take another bath for a year. Well, yeah. Why would I shower then? Oh, <laughs> it's not okay. like I'm gonna see anyone. <laughs> All right, just kidding. True. I'll, okay, I'll continue to shower. <laughs> um. Okay. So mine is. I just found out that someone who I was um in conversation with in um October and November about voting um voted for the first time in the election. Uh-huh. Um. So I'm really proud of her um for going out and voting and using her voice, um, and, um, you know, doing her civic duty. Love that. Um, our associate of the week this week is Claudette Colvin. Mm. Um, and she was, she did the same thing, basically, my understanding is the same thing, uh, that Rosa Parks did, but before Rosa Parks did it, and she also just didn't get famous. And part of why she didn't get famous for it is because the NAACP specifically wanted to choose someone who was like, um, uh, kind of like more older. Yeah, and, and, um, and, and better for uh, better for PR, honestly. Right. Um, yeah, uh, because I think part of the thing too was uh, some some colorism. Um, because I believe Claudette was um, darker mm-hmm. than Miss um, Rosa Parks. She was also um, so. Sorry, real quick. She was also pregnant um, as a fifteen-year-old, which was yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the other thing too yep. is she was young. She exactly. was a teenager. Yep. Um, so and, and so anyway, um, she was one of five plaintiffs in the first federal court case filed by civil rights attorney Fred Gray. Um, in Browder versus Gale, which I'm not familiar with that case. Maybe we'll learn about it in my civil rights class. Um, but it was challenging bus segregation in the city. Um, and she testified before um, judges that heard the case. And the judges determined that the state and local laws requiring 
bus segregation in Alabama were unconstitutional. Oh, so I should be familiar with that case. I should read that case. And I, I, um, I mean, I, I just want to make it super clear that when she testified before those judges, she was 16. Imagine being 16 and testifying before judges. Well, being and being being black, being 16, being female, testifying before white men mm-hmm. judges. Yeah. That's that's a lot. Um and I I'm I don't know. I would be interested to see who the judges were on that panel. Um cuz there are some judges who abuse their power a bit. So mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Claudette Colvin, um, she's our associate of the week. And if you don't know about her, I would encourage you to look up some more information about her. Or um, there's, I believe, a drunk history episode mm-hmm. on her on Hulu. Love it. Well, folks, it's that time where we remind you to subscribe, right? I don't, every time I say this, I just laugh because I always say it. And I, I assume people do, but I also assume people don't because the cynic in me believes this. So anyway. We know that some of you specifically haven't. <laughs> yeah, based on our numbers, they're not lining up. Um, however, please. The numbers! <laughs> Um, please subscribe, rate, and review us on the Apple Podcast Store. We would be greatly uh, appreciative of that. With that, folks, I will say goodbye. Have a great week. Don't forget to listen to the interview with uh, Dr. Robert Postick on Thursday. Uh, enjoy inauguration on Wednesday, and have a good week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>